You're listening to In the Balance, an Iowa Judicial Branch podcast. Welcome back. This month, I connected with the Iowa Appellate Clerk of Court, Donna Humpel, to discuss what a day in her life looks like, as well as how her role in clerk's office resembles and differs from the county clerk's offices. Keep listening to learn more. Thank you for taking time out of your day, Donna, to chat with me. To get started, tell us a bit about how you found your way to the appellate clerk of court office in Iowa. Thank you for having me, Marissa. Um, I was admitted to the Iowa Bar in 1991, so a while ago, um, and started my legal career as a law clerk in Davenport, Iowa for the 7th Judicial District. After that clerkship was over, I practiced law in Davenport and did uh, criminal defense work chapter 232, which is children need of assistance and termination of parental rights cases, as well as juvenile delinquency, family law, and appeals, um, and just general work in other practice areas. I was later appointed to be a magistrate in the 7th Judicial District, but about a year or two later, my spouse was offered his dream job in central Iowa. So I began closing my practice and submitted my resignation um, as a magistrate. And at that time, sitting uh, Justice Linda Newman, who was based in Davenport, heard I was moving to central Iowa and reached out and told me the Supreme Court had a group of researcher screening attorneys and they had a rare opening and she suggested I apply for it. I was fortunate to get the position and start in that position for the Supreme Court in July of 1999. During that time, I worked on legal research for the court. Uh, for the multitude of motions the Supreme Court is presented with every year, as well as work on screening statements, which is a document that assists the court in determining whether to keep a case or transfer the case to the Court of Appeals. After a few years, I was also assigned to staff the Supreme Court's meetings regarding a revision of the attorney disciplinary rules, and a year or two later was assigned by the state court administrator to be the staff attorney for the yet-to-be-created electronic filing system for the court. Sometime around 2008, the Supreme Court began a review of their workflow of their three main areas of responsibilities, which are administrative, which is essentially managing the entire judicial branch, regulatory, which is the regulation of attorney admissions and discipline, and adjudicative, which is the appellate case load and their appellate case work. The court decided to modify the workflow of those areas to make them more efficient and streamlined. As part of that process, the court determined the screening and research attorney should be transitioned into the appellate clerk's office, and I was given the opportunity to assist in the transition of the legal team and and work on the modifications of the workflow of that legal team. Around the same time, my predecessor, Keith Richardson, who had been clerk since 1974, announced his retirement, and ultimately, I was offered the position to become clerk in 2009. So you've seen quite a few of the offices and aspects of the judicial branch throughout your years. Yes, I have. I think pretty much um, I've worked with um, all the courts, per- perhaps um, uh, a little bit less so with the associate district courts, but I practiced a lot in front of the dis- associate district courts. And I have talked to county clerk of courts in past episodes, and you are the appellate clerk of court. Can you explain how those roles differ? 
Um, I think the roles have some similarities and obviously some differences. Um, we are both keepers of the record and have to maintain the record of our respective courts. We're also both tasked with ensuring orders from the court are properly served either through electronic means or on paper to the attorneys or parties pursuant to Iowa Code. And we're both public servants and do our best to assist those who have to use our courts the best way that we're able. But there are also differences as well. And I think one area that shows how different we are is by looking at the Iowa Code. In Iowa Code Chapter 602, there are essentially two relatively small sections, a couple paragraphs really, that discuss the duties of the clerk of the appellate courts. In contrast, there are about 19 jam-packed pages discussing the duties of the district court clerks. So right from the start, it's clear that our offices and roles will be different. Outside of our duties delineated by the code, the appellate clerk duties and the duties of my staff changes with the composition of the Supreme Court and simply through time with whatever is impacting the court at any point in time. So essentially, the Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals tells us how they would like us to operate. For example, the deputy clerk, Christine Mayberry, and I are allowed to sign certain orders in our own names. What orders we are allowed to sign in cases can change over time by direction of the court. What issues the court wants us to monitor can change. What level of review or to give documents filed in the appellate cases and many other areas or processes can be added or modified based on the needs of the appellate courts. Another key factor that separates our offices is the fact that there are 100 county clerk offices, one for each county plus a second for Lee County. There's only one appellate clerk's office. Since our duties under the code and our case types and processes are different, so is the software we use to track our cases and handle our work. Um, The district court clerk's offices have committees where they vet how a new code change should be implemented or how a process should be changed. They have a committee that puts together a best practices manual and a required processing manual so they they can, to the extent possible, perform their duties as close to the other 99 offices as they can. Since we are the only appellate clerk's office and our entire staff is composed of a total of nine people, this allows us to be a little more nimble on our feet, if you will, when it comes to changing processes or implementing changes. It is essentially just these my staff figuring out the best way to implement a code change or request a process change by the courts or interpreting a recent appellate opinion or appellate rule and how we need to modify our practices to conform to those changes. This gives us more flexibility than many district court clerk's offices have, but it also means that along with our other responsibilities and duties, we don't have assistance in writing work processes or instruction manuals for our staff. We have to do all of those in-house. Another difference is when a small county clerk's office is short-staffed, they now have the ability to gain assistance from another clerk's office to help process documents. But since appellate rules are different from district court rules, our software is different, and our courts handle cases differently than district courts, if we're short-staffed, we have no one who can step in and assist us, as no one else has access to our programs or what we have to um, do to handle those documents. And you've mentioned a lot about how you have similarities, you have differences, and obviously there are a hundred offices for the counties and only one for the appellate clerk of court. So how is your office run differently? Well, when the court modified processes in 2007 or 2008, there was a concerted effort 
to delineate, if you will, the three responsibility areas of the Supreme Court. As I noted before, the regulatory, administrative, and adjudicative areas. When I became clerk, I was instructed by the court to think of the clerk's office a little like a law firm for the court. We were to manage the appellate cases and all that goes with it for the court. To that end, as appellate clerk staff retired or left for other employment, we transitioned our positions from docketing and filing clerks to paralegals, and we transitioned legal staff into our office. Currently, our office has three highly skilled and wonderful paralegals and a total of six attorneys. The attorneys are considered career attorneys. This means we have a lot of general and or appellate legal experience. Between the deputy clerk and our four very experienced and skilled staff attorneys and me, we have a combined total of roughly 137 years of legal experience. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot when you think about it. Some of us think, wow, we've been long, around a long time. So, uh, so with that type of staffing, um, the expectation is that we will use that legal and paralegal experience to assist the appellate courts with their adjudicative or casework. While district court clerk's offices have to review documents as they're filed, we are reviewing the documents in much greater detail and are reviewing filings for jurisdictional um, and rules compliance issues. And um, by, by this, we may need to do some investigating as to what is or did happen in the district court case, and we do legal research and draft legally substantive orders for the court to review. And when a party from the district court files an appeal, how does it make its way through the appellate clerk's office and through this process all the way to the appellate courts? Well, new cases come to our office through a variety of ways. A party can file an informational notice of appeal or a request for a form of discretionary review through the electronic filing system or if they're exempt from e-filing, they can mail it to our office or hand deliver it. We also get new cases from what is called the appellate queue, which is where each of the county clerk's offices can electronically push information to our office. Most years, we average around 2,100 to 2,200 new appellate cases. When we get these documents, our paralegals take the first review of these filings. They're looking at the documents to determine whether we already have a case open, whether the appeal is one of right, or whether the appeal is by permission. They're also reviewing them to determine whether there may be a jurisdictional concern with pleading. And a jurisdictional concern will impact whether the court has the authority to hear a case. For example, is the, the appeal timely? Is it from a final judgment? Uh, when they're opening the appeal, they're reviewing documents and information within the district court docket and ensuring that the right people are indexed to the case and in the correct role so they get the access to the appellate case that they should have. If the new case is one where permission has to be granted, for example, the party seeking review from an interlocutory or a non-final order before trial in the district court, the paralegals are making the initial assessment if the matter has to be expedited. Is trial tomorrow, for example, or is it six months from now? Any questions in these regards have been passed off either immediately for a legal review or put on a motion calendar for review by a staff attorney at a later date. It's my understanding that in district court, there are a number of notices that are generated automatically and are printed automatically by their systems. At the appellate level, everything that goes out on a case is consciously created by court staff or members of the court. Each case
case is reviewed and a determination is made individually as to what should happen with a given filing or a given case. When a document is filed, the paralegals reviewing the document also review the case to which it is filed. They're checking for rules compliance, whether it's the proper document in the case, if the document indicates some priority or emergency, and whether it is in proper sequence for that particular case. I can't tell you the exact number of documents filed each year that our paralegals have to review, but we're on track for over 30,000 submissions in our electronic system this year. And each submission may have one or more documents attached to it. So that is a lot of documents our paralegals need to review and subsequently our staff attorneys. With that number of documents, we don't have time to enforce every appellate rule, but the court tells us what rules are the most critical to enforce to allow proper review of the appellate case. Violations of these key rules are sent to legal staff to review and determine the next steps. For example, is the violation minor enough that can be ignored or should a draft order be sent to a justice for consideration? For substantive issues like applications for intellectual appeal, motions for summary affirmance or summary reversal and many others, the attorneys will research the issue, review district court documents, review case law, appellate pleadings, and prepare a research memo for the court's review and a proposed order or alternate proposed orders for the court to consider. Throughout the course of the appeal, there can be a number of motions filed during the briefing process of the appeal. All of those issues are worked on by the legal team in the clerk's office to assist the court. Once the case is fully briefed and any record issues have been resolved, the case is then ready for screening. Iowa has a deflective appellate court structure, which means all appeals are filed with the court of last resort, which in Iowa is the Iowa Supreme Court. When the case is fully briefed or what we call ready, the case is screened by the Supreme Court to determine whether the case should be retained by the Supreme Court or transferred or deflected to the intermediate appellate court, which is the Iowa Court of Appeals. Certain cases are generally transferred to the Court of Appeals with little or no formal screening process. This allows the matter to proceed to opinion faster. Those cases are children in need of assistance and parental termination cases, as well as most family law matters. Most other cases go through a more formal screening process. That means that legal staff in the clerk's office reviews the brief, looks for the criteria set out by rule or direction of the Supreme Court that may warrant Supreme Court retention. For the cases that may warrant retention, the legal staff prepares a screening memo for the court to review. A panel of Supreme Court justices reviews those memos and determines which of the cases to retain. With the amount of review we do on cases, we get to know our filers and our cases fairly well. But I think it's important to note, however, that my staff does not have anything to do with opinion drafting or writing or opinion review. Once the case is submitted to the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court, we step back and await the opinion like everyone else. So a little bit more, you could say, than filing and stamping and sending them off to be reviewed, for sure. Yeah, quite a bit more, yes. Yeah. And like you mentioned, with over 2,000 appeals, upwards of 2,200 being filed each year, I'm sure your days are very busy and very varied. But what would a typical day look like for you? Well, I'm sure like any clerk would tell you, there's probably no real typical day. Um, But generally, I like to get in before the office opens to the public. And during that time, I like I take a quick review of all the matters that were filed and not yet processed in our various electronic inboxes. I'm checking for 
priority issues and assign cases or documents to be processed to staff depending on their other work priorities they may have. I will take a look at the case tasks that have been assigned to me and work on those. Um, during the day, I spend time discussing filings with the paralegals and helping analyze things that are out of the norm. I may also discuss substantive legal issues with the attorneys in the office, take phone calls and emails from members of the court or appellate counsel or parties to case, uh, answer public information requests, um, do certificates of good standing for attorneys, um, and I may need to work with our tech staff at problem solving issues that crop up or working on updates to our system. I may also spend time working on or reworking processes either within my office or regarding work between our office and the other departments in the judicial branch. And I also spend time um, reviewing opinions filed by the courts so I stay up to date on legal issues and may monitor potential rule changes or legislative changes that might impact our work. And are there any cases or moments that stick with you during your time as a clerk? Um, yes, I think the first one that comes to mind um, is Barnum versus Brin, which was the same-sex marriage case. The opinion in that case was filed about two months after I became clerk, so I was very inexperienced in that position. Um, and the morning uh, that the opinion was expected to be filed, our office was literally packed with people. Um, all wanting to obtain one of the first copies of the opinion. And I recall telling someone, I, I don't know why you're here because it's going to be on the webpage and everyone can get it then. And that individual says, in our experience, your webpage is going down. It's going to get so many hits. No matter what you've done, you're not going to maintain it. And he was correct. And um, so we were printing out this opinion um, as fast as we could and handing it out. And it was like a scene from a movie, if you will, with, I mean, they were standing shoulder to shoulder in the office, um, all talking, all grabbing the copies as quickly as we could get them off the printer and um, immediately calling, you know, whether they were from the press or calling other people um, about that opinion because it, it certainly was an opinion that gained national attention. And I think what also really stuck with me is learning how much in that, in that short time that I had to rely on my staff. Um, the staff of clerk's offices, particularly the appellate clerk's office, is the face of the court. Um, most members of the public don't get to speak directly to a judge or a justice on the appellate court, so they will um, air their viewpoints to members of the clerk staff. And certainly after that opinion, um, phone calls both who were pleased with the opinion and those who were not pleased with the opinion um, came in for weeks after that uh, opinion came out. And I was really amazed at the professionalism and grace my staff exhibited at that time and with that case. And then frankly, with so many cases after that, a lot's asked of them and they're amazing professionals. I think um, another kind of series of cases that come to mind uh, relate to election issues. Um, election issues obviously have a big impact on all citizens, but for our office, they can be challenging as many of them have to be handled in an incredibly short period of time. For a standard appeal, it's common for the process to take 12 to 18 months from start to finish, but for some election-related appeals, we've had to condense that into a week or even less. So that requires basically an all-hands-on-deck approach. 
Um, we consult with the court on how to schedule briefing and how to get info to the court to allow them to prepare for our oral argument that could happen in a week or even less time from the time of the notice of appeals filed. Um, so essentially we have to take this carefully orchestrated appellate process and set it aside and create a new process just for those cases. And it requires a lot of effort on the part of my staff, the justices, and the attorneys involved in those cases. I, I think um, maybe the third one I would talk about is the criminal omnibus bill that became law in July of 2019, which is another uh, situation that um, it significantly modified how certain appeals were to be handled. And so we had to really think quickly on how to modify our processes and how to implement the law while still recognizing that there were a number of challenges being made by counsel regarding the laws and how to interpret those new provisions. So literally all our staff had to be completely focused on pivoting what we were doing and how we were doing it for a long time. It was challenging, but also incredibly interesting. And lastly, if there is one thing you'd like people to take away from what they've learned today about the appeals process, what would it be? I hope that they recognize that the staff in our office cares about the work that they do and that we understand how important each case that comes into the appellate courts is for the people involved and how it can also be important for the citizens of the state as a whole. Each case and each filing is reviewed and monitored and we try our best to give each case the attention it needs and deserves because we know that is of great importance to the people involved. It doesn't matter if it's a high profile case or a case that will garner no media attention whatsoever. Each case is important and um, we definitely try to treat them that way. Well, thank you again, Donna, for sitting down and chatting with me today. You're welcome. You've been listening to In the Balance, an Iowa Judicial Branch podcast hosted and produced by Marissa Gall. If you would like more information about Iowa's courts, you can visit www.iowacourts.gov. You can also follow the Iowa Judicial Branch on Twitter and YouTube at Iowa Courts. This episode of In the Balance is now adjourned.